I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Friday, September 1st, 2023, and you're here for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Uh, let's see. So it's Friday, and uh, we're going to finish out our little brief catechesis here in the book of Acts. And then also uh, from Second Peter, the two actually uh, go together pretty well. So hopefully uh, all of you have jumped back on that we're trying to watch live. If you're watching or listening later in the day, uh, no worries with you, right? Uh, you can watch just on replay. All right, let's get the devotion up on the screen. There it is. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm just checking to make sure that everything's working here. It is currently streaming to Facebook and to, to YouTube. Okay. So hopefully all of you have had an opportunity to jump back on at this point. Our psalm this week is Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, he has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old, you are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Looks like every all the streaming services resumed. We'll just continue then. Our memory verse this week, we say together, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for he shall, we shall see him as he is. 1 John 3, verse 2. And our catechism is the introduction to the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. What does this mean? With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children, so that with all boldness and confidence we may ask him, as dear children ask their dear Father. First petition, hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we as the children of God also lead holy lives according to it. Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this, heavenly Father. Okay. The first reading today is the conclusion of St. Paul's second, or excuse me, St. Peter's second letter, um, now in chapter 3. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, 
because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do the rest of the scriptures. Therefore, are you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. All right, again, we have conversation here about the last days, the hastening of the coming of the day of God, when the heavens will be dissolved, etc. Here, St. Peter is just uh, reiterating what the Lord himself had spoken, especially during his farewell discourse in Jerusalem during Holy Week. But, of course, Paul is never going to just preach the coming destruction, but always the promise um, by which we are saved, right? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and new earth in which righteousness, that's Jesus, dwells, right? Um, and so, as is usually the case, uh, for those who are who have been saved, who have been made children of God, the apostle will, and, and I would say the Christian preacher, will always commend people to remain steadfast in that which they've received, right? To remain in their baptism, to remain um, confident and, and consoled in the forgiveness of sins, to remain uh, in the Christian assembly and the reception of the Lord's gifts there, especially the supper, right? And that's what Paul does too, or Peter does. And actually Peter then tells us to look to Paul and Paul's epistles. He doesn't name them specifically. I don't know which ones were extant at this point that have been distributed around. Um, There's a little jab towards Paul maybe in that uh, Paul actually preaches things that are um, true but hard to understand than which others twist and um, turn into their own unstable and untaught ways, right? Now, this is always true for God's word. People twist God's word to mean what they want it to mean. And uh, Peter's suggesting that Paul, in teaching such a a profound and radical understanding of the Old Testament in particular, um, that people have twisted and turned that to mean something it doesn't. Um, You can look to the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15 uh, to see where Peter and Paul kind of fall on that topic. Also look to Galatians, I think, too, where Paul talks about that um, Jerusalem Council. I preached on that earlier this summer with on the on the day of the Feast of St. Peter and St. Paul. So you can go check that out. But remain steadfast uh, and you will be saved. That's the point. And what a great conclusion, huh? You're going to see a similar kind of exhortation here uh, from St. Paul um, to, the, to the elders uh, from Ephesus, the Ephesian elders, right? So pay attention for that here. Mostly just a sermon that we're going to hear today, his uh, last sermon to them. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility and with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept nothing back that was, or kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you, and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. 
But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. All right, good. So uh, many things, many details here. Uh, What a densely packed um, but rich sermon from Paul. Didn't take too long, just a few minutes, right? All right. So Paul asks um, the Ephesian elders to come to Miletus to meet him there rather than Paul go through Ephesus. I remember yesterday we heard that uh, Paul was uh, concerned that if he he went through Ephesus, he would be uh, delayed and not make it to Jerusalem for the Passover, right? Uh, By the way, in the New Testament, elder is another word for for pastor. It's it's also presbyter, right? Uh, From which the Scottish get their Presbyterianism, just from the Greek word for pastor, elder there. And uh, we know he's talking to pastors because of the instructions that he gives to them later on, right? Uh, how did he, or what of what did he remind them? Uh, the first day I came to Asia, and what manner I lived among you, right? And then he describes his life in their midst with many tears and trials, right? Serving the Lord with humility. We know what caused his tears and trials, he tells us in verse 19. Well, it's the opposition, namely the plotting of the Jews. Then he says in verse 20 that he kept back nothing that was helpful. What's he referring to there? Life lessons? Instructions for uh, Christian living? Nice advice? No. What, was, what is helpful for them? Well, he preached everything that was needed. Repentance towards God, faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, and he did so publicly from house to house. Right? So he actually tells you <laughs> what it means to not hold back anything um, helpful. It's to proclaim the gospel and to preach from house to house and publicly. Okay? Uh, But he says that the Holy Spirit had repeatedly revealed to Paul by his preaching and teaching that that he would go bound uh, to Jerusalem, right? That change and tribulations awaited him in Jerusalem. He says uh, in verse 24, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. What does he mean by that? That he not count his life dear to himself, right? For Paul, and I would say for Christians, it's the preaching of the gospel that matters, even if it means sacrificing one's life to do so. That's what he's saying, is that preserving his life was not his first instinct, right? Uh, it is said that that's the, 
the only natural instinct, right, is self-preservation. But Paul is even willing to forfeit that for the sake of the gospel. It doesn't mean he runs headlong into death, of course not. Um, but it's not the most important thing. Why didn't the uh, coming tribulations deter Paul from going to Jerusalem? None of these things move me. And then he says, verse 24 again, so that I may finish my race with joy through the continued testimony right, of the gospel of the grace of, of God. Uh, he uses the same picture, the same metaphor, and in a more comprehensive or expansive way in uh, his letter to the Philippians. Remember, we were just in Philippi for the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. So uh, how's it go there? It's first Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. Oh yeah, here it is. For, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, oh, this is a little bit different, but this is the right idea. Where's, it, where's the language of running the, running the race? Uh, that might be in Romans. All right. But he does not count his life as more valuable than um, his faith in Christ. And that's the point. Of course, again, where would he have gotten this idea that he's, there's going to be trials and tribulations, but that he should run the, ra- the court, run the race? That's actually, ultimately, from the preaching of Jesus, right? Um, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and, and f- take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Right? You know that. So this race, um, I think what, he mean, what does he mean by race? What is he referring to, metaphorically? Ah, yes, running the race is 1 Corinthians 9. All right. Well, I think the metaphor, oh yes, striving for the crown, 9.24 and following, right? Do you not know that all of those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize, run the race in such a way that you may obtain it, right? He's actually referring to to his earthly life, is what, and it's rather brief, right? Um, the word race here is actually a technical term. I don't know. If this is uh, noted elsewhere, but it's this—it's the stadium in First Corinthians. I think here in Acts, what is it? I think it might be the same thing. Let me make sure. I lost my place here. There we go. Um, the word there is not stadium, so it's a different word. Here it's the uh, the dromos, which is a, a technical word for the course. Um, or the of the race, like um, the length of the of the stadium, um, or the place for running, um, but it can also refer to the to the movement of the heavenly bodies, all right. And I think that's helpful because, of course, that's what we're appointed uh, to be is uh, to be well to dwell in 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 the heavens with our Lord after our brief life under the cross. Yeah, dromon to road. Um, it could be the course. It doesn't mean ra- it doesn't mean the running or the race itself, but actually the, the the course that's run. How's that? So he's talking about his specific the specific path that the Lord has set before him. All right. So remember, he's going to Jerusalem. He's trying to get there for Pentecost, but he but he says he knows for certainty um, that they the Ephesian elders will not see his face again. Mm. Um, so he's not going to make the trip again, one way or another. Then he says, verse twenty six. I testify you. This day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. What does he mean by that? Innocent of the blood of all men. This is an expression, I would say, um, of uh, justification, right? That he has been declared righteous for Christ's sake, and from this faith in Christ he faithfully preached the full counsel of God. If he had not preached the message of repentance and forgiveness faithfully, he would have actually then shared in the impenitence and unbelief of his hearers. 
Uh, we actually studied this back in Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel chapter three, I believe, right? Um, and then it was repeated again in 33. That's right. We just looked at this a, a few weeks ago, that um, failing to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ is what brings blood guiltiness upon the preacher's head, right? Failing to forgive sins uh, freely and richly at all times and circumstances. That's what brings judgment against the preacher. All right, so uh, that leads us right into his counsel then for these young pastors to um, take heed, verse 28, to yourselves and to all the flock. You hear this every ordination and installation. Right? Jesus had given the same word of warning about bewaring of false prophets who come like wolves in sheep's clothing. We've heard that. Uh, of course, also the, um, the prophets of old had given the same warnings to beware of such false teaching, right? both teaching, false teaching and false preachers of false teaching, of course. Right? So that's his warning to them not to get caught up in that. But instead, they've been made um, overseers by, verse 28, the Holy Spirit, right, to shepherd the church of God. Um, now, so shepherding the church of God, which he purchased by his own blood, is also connected to what we just said in verse 26. I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of men. Right? Every, there's a lot of talk of blood here. Um, both blood guiltiness, but blood forgiveness, blood-bought forgiveness, right? And that's immediately connected to the good shepherd who's also the lamb who lays down his life for his sheep and who has called them by his voice to follow him. So also the overseers, the pastors of the church, uh, are to call the sheep through faithful preaching to the true doctrine of the grace of God, which forgives sins, right? Through the blood of the shepherd, who is also the lamb, right? Um, now, why can Paul preach with certainty that there will be savage wolves, false preachers coming, trying to devour the flock, um, to speak perverse things, draw disciples away from themselves, and that he's been warning them about this for three years? Why, why can he do so with confidence? Again, two reasons. One, Jesus had warned um, his disciples during his earthly ministry of the same, and also uh, the same thing happened to the prophets of the Old Testament. There were false teachers who rose and sought to distract or to deter the sheep from the true preaching of God's word. So, uh, you know, Solomon's uh, wisdom there is is pertinent, right? There's nothing new under the sun. But um, as with Jesus, so with with uh, St. Paul here in his farewell sermon to these elders, um, there's two verbs that matter in verse 31. Watch and remember. Watch like the watchman on the, on the wall. Again, think Ezekiel. And remember. Remember what? The warning of our Lord Jesus, namely his word. Jesus had warned his disciples, not only Paul, but other, the others, um, to, to always be watchful, right? To keep watch for false teachers and then to remember all the words that he had spoken to, to them, namely for their salvation. Now, of course, the apostles are not great at that. They also quickly forget, um, but the Lord never fails by his spirit to remind them. All right. Uh, by the way, when it said that Paul had warned them for three years, I don't know that three is such an immaterial number here. I think it does matter. We're talking about death and resurrection again, right? Christ's ministry itself had lasted three years and terminated with his death and resurrection and ascension when the disciples would no longer see his face. That's Jesus' face. So Paul, he's been warning them for three years and he will soon face his death um, and they will see his face no more again, right? But what is it that builds them up? And uh, should they cling to Paul? No, they should cling, what does he say in verse 32? To God and to the word of God's grace. All right, and then uh, there's this important instruction not to worry about uh, oneself, gold or apparel. Don't seek earthly gain through this preaching, but rather simply preach um, to be content with the riches of what is preached. 
this is a hard lesson for pastors. Um, we, like everyone else, have needs to support not only ourselves, but our family. Uh, we want to be able to serve with a, with a clear conscience and not be um, begging for money or for work, you know, or working other things. And, uh, and yet, on the same token, you know, uh, when a congregation has called a pastor to preach, you preach until they will no longer receive you as a preacher of God's word, right? Um, and that, uh, that's regardless of the economic situation of the congregation. Um, I think everyone rightly is expecting a pretty uh, significant correction in our economy, um, devaluing of uh, property, stocks, other things, a, a recession, if not depression, um, which was built into the system since at least 2008 and it, probably before that. And uh, maybe even since 1973, go look and see what happened in 1973, or was it 76? Hmm. Um, Bretton Woods, look it up. Anyway, um, that we've been building towards the moment, and uh, there will be a significant market correction, and uh, wages will not, uh, currently wages can't keep up with um, with inflation, of course. Um, so, like, how does that affect a pastor or a congregation? Well, it means that um, it can be difficult to perform the work that the Lord has obligated us to do. And, or maybe we even have to ask, what is it that the Lord requires of us and what is it that we are doing um, only um, out of or, or because of uh, ability? But when we no longer have that ability, what, what are we willing to compromise on in order to uh, continue the work that he has given us to do explicitly, right? And that can affect things like um, even staffing down to that very level, never mind facility and other things. Right, so always uh, prioritize and then execute, and prioritize based off of God's word. All right, so uh, don't let it be about silver, gold, and clothing. Can't be about the money. If it's about the money, then you lose sight of the free gift of God's grace, as Jesus Himself said. Right, more blessed to give than to receive. This is a unique citation, um, and there's a lot that could be said about it. There, there isn't a direct quote actually here in any of the uh, four Gospels, um, but uh, it seems actually to be a quote from Sirach. Uh, one of the apocryphal writings, and maybe uh, Jesus seems to refer to it as well in Matthew 5 and Matthew 10 uh, in Luke 6. All right? But remember the Lord's Jesus. This relates all the way back to the beginning. We scroll back up um, that he has not failed to make known to them the preaching of Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness, for repentance and forgiveness of sins. It's more blessed to give that message as pastors to preach that than to receive a paycheck. All right? Um, frankly, it just goes direct deposit in the account and Anne manages it, and I don't even see it, and it doesn't usually last very long either because <laughs> they have a family support. And I'm not, I honestly just don't even really think about it um, because, uh, well, thankfully the congregation is providing and uh, we're not having to live paycheck to paycheck for the most part. So there you go. All right, how does uh, Paul conclude then? Of course, uh, we, do, we don't have words, it's just uh, actions here, but he knelt down and prayed with them further. All right, and to fall upon, fall upon seems to be a pattern here in Luke and Acts. Um, prodigal son returns in repentance. The father falls upon the son neck and kisses kisses him. The spirit falls upon the disciples in Samaria and the Gentiles of Cornelius' household. Paul falls on Eutychus. We heard um, yesterday before raising from the dead, and now those who have heard the word fall upon the neck of Paul, the preacher of Christ, who calls prodigals back home. All right, and again they're sorrowing. There's great grief, as you saw in that opening image, because Paul has said that he will not return to them. So densely packed sermon. There's some, um, not coded language, but uh, unique language from Acts uh, that's worth some exposition. So hopefully that was helpful for you uh, to understand this sermon. I would suggest that all the sermons of Acts um, 
to collectively, well, one, they're they're relatively uniform. Um, they preach the same message, Christ and Him crucified, and um, then they set the tone and the pattern for every Christian sermon, I would suggest. Distinguishing law and gospel, preaching forgiveness in Christ's name. Okay. So, Paul's words to these pastors from Ephesus are clear. We are to preach only the death, that is repentance, and resurrection, that is forgiveness, of Jesus. The warnings against false prophets are still appropriate today, and so the false prophets must always be revealed, not left in the darkness, but revealed through the clear preaching of the Good Shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Even the way the elders say farewell to Paul by falling on his neck and weeping is a reminder of the Heavenly Father's um, desire to forgive his children and to gather them into his house. Since Paul has been a prodigal who was drawn back by the love of the Father, he reminds them to be vigilant over the flock who will be attacked by false teachers. While the laborer is worthy of the hire, his hire, the true inheritance that is more blessed to give is the word of the Father's grace that supports the weak. Right? Yeah, so everything that I do as pastor, um, yes, it's tinged by my own guilt, guilty or sinful flesh and, and its motives. <laughs> but um, but in faith, you know, to be a pastor and to preach, I even thought about this this morning, you know, you know, what am I talking, 20, 30 years maybe, perhaps more? That I'm able to preach and teach. You know, the goal is, of course, that you hear that word and that uh, you live a life of repentance for and the forgiveness of sins, that you find comfort and strength for your days um, in Jesus' word, and that you learn the whole counsel of God and kept steadfast in that. Um, it doesn't always bear visible fruit. It's not always immediately apparent um, how that word has its way with us and works um, faith in our hearts, but um, I can't really get too hung up about that. Just do it uh, as the Lord has given it, or deliver it as the Lord has given it to me, uh, hand over the goods, so to speak, and let the Lord take care of it. So, uh, more blessed to give than to receive. All right. Uh, let's sing our hymn, Crown Him with Many Crowns. Hands. 
which wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. No angels in the sky can fully bear that light, but downward bend their wandering eyes at mystery so bright. Crown him the Lord of life, who triumphed o'er the grave, and rose victorious in the strife for those he came to save. Glories now we sing of him who died who died eternal life to bring, and lives that death may die. Crown him the Lord of heaven, enthroned in worlds above. Crown him the King to whom it is given the wondrous name of love. Crown him with many crowns, as thrones before him fall. Crown him, ye kings, with many crowns, for he is king of all. All right, we do have a commemoration today, and that is of... Joshua, all right, the prophet, or excuse me, the, the patriarch, there we go. Joshua, the son of Nun, of the tribe of Ephraim, is first mentioned in Exodus 17, when he was chosen by Moses to fight the Amalekites, whom he defeated in a brilliant military victory. He was placed in charge of the tent of meeting, Exodus 33, and was a member of the tribal representative sent to survey the land of Canaan, Numbers 13. Later, he was appointed by God to succeed Moses as Israel's commander-in-chief. Joshua eventually led the Israelites across the Jordan River into the Promised Land and directed the Israelites' capture of Jericho. He is remembered especially for his final address to the Israelites, in which he challenged them to serve God faithfully, Joshua 24, concluding with the memorable words, As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, Joshua 24. Right, so kind of a patriarch, but also kind of a prophet, also a ju- the beginning of the judges. Uh, so uh, I don't know what title you want to give to Joshua commander of the Lord's army, I guess. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, your servant Joshua led the children of Israel through the waters of the Jordan River into a land flowing with milk and honey. As our Joshua lead us, we pray, through the waters of our baptism into the promised land of our eternal home, where you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray, Almighty and merciful God, by your gift alone, Your faithful people render true and laudable service. Help us steadfastly to live in this life according to your promises and finally attain your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. We also pray this day um, in Thanksgiving with Jennifer celebrating her baptism with the households of our church, especially just that of Jessica, Randy, Ross, Neil, John and Linda, Tim and Amber. Pray for our catechumens. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Pam, 
Joe, Kelsey, Dennis, Naomi, Christopher, Marcy, and Brad, Eileen, Ron, Doug, and Bev, Donna, Jim, Pat, and Wendell, Darlene, and District President Willie. Pray for our homebound. Pray for our mission of the month, a new mission, new month, and that of the Federwitz families of Lutheran Bible Translators, um, and also Wycliffe Bible Translators, too. And we continue to pray in intercession for the Tupper family, and also for our students and teachers who have returned to class. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, that's our congregation of prayer for today, um, Friday, September 1st, 2023. Happy September. Uh, It's not going to feel like September here (laughs) for the next few days. It's going to get quite warm again, Uh, but so it goes. And uh, yeah, join us again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. We'll have congregation of prayer uh, tomorrow uh, as it's the beginning of the school year. We will be looking at... Um, Sunday's Epistle and Old Testament reading that will help prepare us um, to hear the preaching of the Gospel on Sunday. Sunday is the Sunday of the Good Samaritan. A very famous text. You know that one quite well. Um, but always always try to come with some new insight or, um, and just look at it from a little bit different perspective or point out something that is uh, unique um, or uh, should catch our might catch our attention this week. So we'll see. Um, but we'll prepare for that tomorrow with Old Testament and Epistle here at the Congregation of Prayer. All right. Thanks for uh, thanks for bearing with the hiccup there at the beginning. Uh, and now I bid you fond farewell. See you tomorrow. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org that's stjohnrandomlake.org slash support and give today.